T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. NFL trade deadline is coming up seven hours away, 4 p.m. deadline. A lot of big names been whispered about. The latest whispered rumor could O.J. Howard, the tight end for the Bucks, be headed to New England. A lot of discussion out there about some big-name players. It feels like baseball's hot stove. We're going to have an interesting couple of hours here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Try Zip Recruiter for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Zip Recruiter is the smartest way to hire. Nobody knows more about the NFL's trade deadline than Jason Locke and Fora. He's got the latest on could A.J. Green be traded? Could Trent Williams be traded? How about Chris Harris from the Broncos? O.J. Howard, I mentioned. Robbie Anderson. A lot of big names could be moved in the next seven hours. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker home in Pennsylvania from the Monday night tank job of the Miami Dolphins. Pittsburgh gets the best of them thanks to a great effort by Brian Flores and the Dolphins to find themselves a loss. So the deadline's at 4 o'clock, but Ross, on Sunday, another big deadline. Sunday marks the return, Ross Tucker, of Popeye's Spicy Chicken Sandwich. Yes, they are rolling it out on a Sunday to troll Chick-fil-A, who's always closed on Sundays. And the best news for you, Ross, is that they are hiring 400 staffers, two at each location, to handle just the chicken sandwich volume. Bad news is it's only at 150 of their 2,600 locations. We hope you're near one. Would you rush out to try this sandwich after the whole debacle of running out of it and what we heard from the long, Long drive through waits. No, I won't. No. Um, number one, I'd have to figure out where the closest Popeyes is to me. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a big Popeyes guy. I'm not a big like fried chicken guy. I never have been. Yes, you are. Oh, chicken sandwich guy. You're. You're. That's all we're talking. We're just talking chicken sandwich guy. You're. Right, you're the but biggest I'm saying, sandwich guy I'm, of all. I'm saying. Right, but I'm saying until this point, I've never been a big Popeyes guy. I don't know where it is because they didn't have a chicken sandwich. To my knowledge, they just had the fried chicken. Like, that's all I knew about Popeyes. I'm sure they have more, but all I remember, I think I probably told you this before, is that when I was with the Redskins, they would make the rookies get Popeyes for the flights on the team plane. And it drove Steve Spurrier crazy watching so many guys eating Popeyes on the way to the game, the day before the game, just because of the lack of nutritional value that the guys were putting into their bodies the day before the game. It really bothered him. One of the few things he was ever a stickler for, which is kind of funny. The other funny part of that, Dave, the, uh, the closest Popeyes, was like halfway to Rochester. Like those guys had to hustle to go get the Popeyes and then get back to the Buffalo airport 
for, you know, those play. Oh, no, not Rochester. I'm sorry. I got my teams confused. I can't remember where it was in Washington, but it was far for Bruce Smith and those guys. I think maybe in Buffalo they did the same thing when I was playing up there. So, uh, yeah, man. Um, now I'll probably see how it goes. I probably let it go for a while. But things seems like things are going smoothly, and people are still liking it. Maybe, but can you even go and say hold the mayo? I don't know. That's a big question mark for me. Absolutely, you can. Absolutely, I will. I will just be sure to be there when the restaurant opens. I don't know if it's eleven o'clock. I'll be there at ten fifty-eight, ready for that sandwich. I got to be the first one in line. I'm not waiting that ridiculous. 20-minute wait time that they were showing initially. I do have a Popeye's right next to a Chick-fil-A, right next to a Wendy's. I call it the Chicken Triangle in Norwalk, Connecticut, for those of you that are familiar. But they did find a supplier that supplies the small breast sandwich. And speaking of breasts, those ladies that flashed Garrett Cole to, uh, well, either raise money and attention for breast cancer or to raise attentions for Shag Mag. They're going to be on this program on Wednesday. I think fully clothed. Just wanted to promote what's happening here on Home and Home on a Wednesday. Should be an interesting uh, afternoon. Also an update on the World Series fan, Bud Light American hero, Jeff Adams. He will be going to the World Series tonight, Game 6, which could clinch it for the Houston Astros. They've got Justin Verlander on the mound against Steven Strasburg, who's been unbelievable. Here's the update for those of you watching on Radio.com, not just listening. We're showing a picture right now of the T-shirt Jeff Adams will wear tonight in Houston at Game 6. It says, always save the beers. This is going to be an outstanding campaign for Bud Light. Your feelings for Bud Light aside, Ross, this is an absolutely awesome campaign. Jeff Adams double fisting two Bud Lights, taking a home run ball off the chest. He is a real American hero, Ross. No, he's not a hero. A real American hero would drink a real American beer. And a real American hero would have chugged one of the beers and barehanded the ball. It is a great marketing thing, though, by Bud Light. Kudos to them. That seems to be where a lot of the resources go, as opposed to the flavor of the actual product. Uh, They put their, their resources into Dilly Dilly and Bud Light Nights and Platinum and uh, T-shirts, I guess. But look, this is the best marketing plan they've had. It is great. What that guy didn't tell you is he probably just paid $30, 15 bucks each, for two uh, wa- alcohol-infused water canisters in each of his hands. And he's like, you know what? 30 bucks. I'll just take it in the chest. I have so many questions. Like, why didn't he get out of the way? Like what, like what was the value in taking it in the chest like that? My guess, my guess is that since the alcohol level is so low in Bud Light, he must have already had 40 of those before the game and he was feeling no pain. <laughs> I actually have answers because I am a well-read newspaper man, as you know. And Jeff Adams talked to the Washington Post about this and he said, I was a catcher. As a Little League baseball player, quote, I had a Little League coach. 
His name was Wayne Mitchell. And he said he taught me how to put my chest in front of a ball, bounce it in front of me. So put my chest in front of it, right? I angled it down. Sure enough, it hit me in the chest, went straight down, and the guy recovered the ball. That's what makes the story truly remarkable. Double fisting Bud Lights, takes one in the chest, angles down like a catcher, and somehow there weren't 17 people piling on top of him. He actually recovered the ball. I'm upset you don't think this is a real American hero. He is my hero. And you're going to have to find us a, a, a micro-brew IPA type of sponsor here to justify your anger at Bud Light. Who is more deserving of attention? Jeff Adams, real American hero, or Carson King, who raised a million bucks for a children's hospital via a sign on college game day asking for more beer money. And in the long run, Ross, who do you think is better off? Like who is helped more by their random fan experience? Carson King wins in every category. You already know why. Plus, he started it. He started it by trying to raise money for was it Bush Light? What was for himself to buy to buy a case of Bush beer money. Yeah. First of all, that's acceptable when you're his age to drink that beer, not when you're Jeff Adams' age. Secondly, the fact that Carson King is that generous that he then had all the money go to the children. He's He's a real American hero. Jeff Adams is a clown that's getting his 15 minutes of fame right now. Wow. I, you know, can I just take a little beer issue here? So let, let's just be clear. Bud Light is far superior to Bush Light. Agree? No. Ugh. No. I'd, ra I, I'd rather have Bush Light because here's the thing. <laughs> Bush Light is like, all right, I'm in college. Or I just graduated or whatever. I'm drinking Bush Light. Bud Light is like a decision. You know, <laughs> Bush Light's like something you have when you're in your 20s. It's like Natty Light, right? Bush Light, Natty Light. All right, I get it. You know, the beast. Anything like that. I get that. Bud Light, it's like, come on, bro. I mean, I don't know. You know, and by the way. Can't, let me just say this for the record, Dave. You don't you don't ever drink Bud Light, do you? Heck yeah. I'm not a beer snob at all. If I'm at a ball game, chances are I'm sucking down one of those big tall boys at Bud Light. Not a beer well, snob. I'm, I'm glad nice you Bud said Light that. On a hot day. I'm glad yeah? you said that because you're the first pretty boy in an aqua Nike zip up I've ever met that drinks Bud Light. <laughs> pretty boy in an aqua zip up drinks Bud baby, Light. It's baby blue. It's not aqua. Maybe it looks aqua on the camera, but it's baby blue. I'm just not a beer snob. I mean, most Americans out there, when I'm in Colorado, they're drinking a Coors Light or a Bud Light, and I like to be like those every man when I'm at a ball game. I'm not looking for anything special. I'm not looking for any microbrew. Just give me the every man beer, okay? You are a beer snob. I will be every man. All right? I, or Joe Adams. I, I, I am an accountant for taste, okay? I like taste. I like flavor. Last night, that Steelers press box food, it was like flavor crystals popping all in my mouth. It was amazing. You're either thriving in life or you're surviving. 
If you drink Bud Light, you're surviving. If you drink delicious craft IPAs, you are thriving, my friend. Mm. That's the difference. You are either an elitist Princeton snob or you are University of Colorado Bud Light drinking Coloradan everyday average dude. Kind of like Joe Flacco, who's also a Colorado man. And well, he's just been Joe average as a quarterback thus far for the Broncos. Rather unimpressive. Three straight games without a touchdown pass for the two and six Broncos who are circling the drain. Joe Flacco never, though, says anything even worth writing down after a post-game loss or a win until Sunday and their latest loss to the Colts. Adam Benatieri game-winning field goal and Joe Flacco spoke out about the play calling by the Broncos. Listen to this. We're now a two and six football team and we're like afraid to go for it in a two minute drill. You know, like who cares if you give the ball back to the guys with a minute and 40 seconds left, they obviously got the field goal anyway. And once again, we're a two and six football team and it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose a game. Uh, it's third and five at the end of the game. Um, you know, it's who cares if they have a timeout there at the end or not, you know, getting in field goal range, isn't that tough? Uh, you know, so you're just putting your defense in these bad situations. And, um, I just felt like, what do we have to lose? Like, why can't we be aggressive in some of these situations? That's kind of how I feel about a lot of the game today. That was Joe Flacco after a Sunday loss to the Colts in which they ran the ball conservatively on third down, punted away on fourth down, let the Colts drive down there, down the field, and get a Benetieri field goal to win the game. Didn't say anything about being injured in that press conference, played the entire game against the Annapolis Colts, and suddenly, after saying that, the next thing we heard reported from Denver is that Joe Flacco is not starting for the Broncos this week against the Cleveland Browns. Good for you, Freddie Kitchens. You may have just found yourself a win because Brandon Allen, sixth-round draft pick in 2016 with Jacksonville, who has never played an NFL snap, is now going to start at quarterback for the Broncos against Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns. Suddenly, we hear Joe Flacco has a herniated disc in his neck they say he's been dealing with it a couple of weeks. There's just a little strain in there is what Joe Flacco said recently when asked why he's been receiving treatment. Is it a little strain or is it a little tension between he and Vic Fangio and John Elway? Well, I think it might be both. Jason Lock and Fora probably has some pretty good info on this. Mm. I don't think you can fake a herniated disc in a neck, right? No, but we've both had that, it, right? It and hurts it like sounds hell. like he's been sounds like he's been playing with it. I'm a little bit confused as to some of the details of this right now, um, but at at a minimum, it is very unique and interesting timing. There's no question about that, Dave. It is. Very strange timing indeed um, because he finished the game. Now, I will say this. If he already had it, then you wonder a little bit. If he didn't already have it, it certainly could have been on that last play because he got wrecked from behind and it looked like he had whiplash with the hit he took from behind at the end of the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if he already had some issue and then that exacerbated it. Hmm. 
It is a strange situation in there in Denver, but Brandon Allen starting at quarterback, and it looks like things are going to go even further south. And look, no matter what happens with Miami, there are a couple other teams coming for you. Cincinnati has not won. Those two teams play at the end of the year. Atlanta has one win. Denver only has two. And look like that could be it at this juncture. And will they trade away Chris Harris? Will they trade away Von Miller? A lot of rumors floating out there between now and the 4 o'clock NFL trade deadline. We're going to talk to Jason Lockenfora about the trade deadline. What are the big names he's hearing that might be traded in the next several hours? We'll get to Jason in just a sec, Ross. He's our man hired to break down the trade deadline. But first, let's talk about ZipRecruiter. Like our buddy Dylan Miskowitz, the COO of Cafe El Tora, the organic coffee company. He needed to hire a director of coffee. Kind of a big job for a coffee company. Couldn't find one. Switch to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter, was immediately impressed by how quickly he had gotten great candidates to apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's really no wonder Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. NFL teams don't necessarily go to ZipRecruiter. They go to the trade market all of a sudden. And the NFL trade deadline sure has heated up in recent years. And this feels like it's going to be different than anything we've seen in recent years. Some of the big names out there, A.J. Green, Trent Williams, O.J. Howard, Chris Harris, Derek Wolf, Robbie Anderson, Darius Slay. We could go on and on. We talked about Trent Williams. We talked about Josh Norman. It could be a very exciting day today in the NFL. Four o'clock trade deadline. Let's talk about it with Jason Lockenfora, who is all over the deadline. Jason, good to see you, my friend. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. I understand you have a friend with you, though, today to cover the trade deadline. Let's see the pooch. Bring him into the show. All hands on deck. Say hi, Copper. It's a strategic decision I'm making here. We're getting work done on our house. And a crew just showed up in my neighbor's backyard and he reacts to everything and goes crazy. So my thinking is if I've got him right here, I can just kind of like pet him and calm him down so he doesn't chase every sound and like wreck the whole interview by barking the whole time. Now, I probably just jinxed it. This will (laughs) undoubtedly backfire on me, but my feeble brain is telling me I should do this rather than have him terrorizing people around my house and chasing every sound in the backyard. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. I, I like it, Jason. I like it. I, I like yeah. the strategy. It's a it's a preemptive strike. I, I love it. Um, speaking, by the way, of preemptive strikes. Yes. Got to get your thoughts on Joe Flacco out of character 
kind of having a, an outburst about the Broncos' strategy. And then the next day, we find out he's got a neck injury and might be out for the rest of the year. You know, there's a lot of people that are skeptical of the timing here. Can you break down both Flacco's comments sure. and this neck injury and if there's any funny business going on? Yeah, I, I think it's it's the timing is coincidental. If you watch that game, and I was watching pretty closely in real time because on that 1 o'clock uh, you know, slate, there weren't a whole lot of close games. And so... And that was one of my best bets. So I'm like, let's see if the Colts cover because, you know, I told people I liked that game. Uh, Flacco was getting lit up. He came to the bench at one point in the fourth quarter and he couldn't really turn his head. And they, he had one guy working on it. And then they brought another trainer over. They were rubbing some kind of balm on it. They, and he, you, could, you could read his lips at times and you could just see as he was turning his head like this that it wasn't good. I was surprised he went back in the game. And then he took an absolute kill shot at the end of the game, he got, it wasn't even blindside. It was literally from behind. It was like Jason Voorhees coming up behind you with a chainsaw or whatever. I mean, he, he got blown up. So, and knowing his history of back and neck injuries, et cetera, I, I figured um, he could be out a little while. And after the game, I think he was frustrated about a lot of things. Obviously I took those comments as more to Vic Fangio than the offensive staff. I mean, you know, Vic's an old school guy. He yeah. doesn't want the offense to mess it up. It's a lot like Mike Zimmer. Just hold on to the ball. Um, could Flacco at times audible out of some of that stuff and take a shot here or there? Yeah, but they also did just trade Emmanuel Sanders. You know what I mean? The the one receiver he could count on the most. And the offensive line is so bad. If he's getting killed on little quick, you know, quick hitters and three-step drops, what's going to happen, you know, on seven? Um, but it's just a bad scene there offensively all the way around. I, I figured it would be bad. It is really bad. They were going to go to Drew Locke at some point anyway because it's so bad. That's obviously now probably, you know, a week or two away. It's Brandon Allen for for now, at least for one week. Um, to me, the really interesting thing with Denver is all these macro-level questions now. Like, is Vic Fangio a one-and-done? I, I think, you know, people are wondering about that around the league. There's a lot of chatter about that. What can Elway do to get out of this? Um, he traded Emmanuel Sanders. There's no reason to other people's thinking why you wouldn't trade Derek Wolf. And Chris Harris, they're both unrestricted free agents who won't be back. And then the real elephant in the room is Von Miller with two very team-friendly years left. Um, team options at $18 million each of the next two years. There will be no extension there. They're going to be bad longer, especially while they try to rebuild around a young quarterback, knowing well, we don't have an offensive line, we don't really have sides, and we don't have receivers. Okay, well, where do you get them? So... It could be interesting by 4 p.m. I don't think Miller's dealt, but if I was an enterprising general manager, I would be working John Elway trying to find out what that price is. Dude, I am going to have to start drinking real early on a Tuesday, brother. You know I'm from Denver, right? You just cleaned house on my two and six Broncos. Hang on a sec. Realistically, you just you just named Wolf. You just named Miller. You just named Harris. How many of those guys are gone by 4 o'clock Eastern time? I I can't imagine they don't make at least one more trade. I don't know what the counter argument would be. Um, whether whether they want to rebuild or not, it's happening. Because I'm telling you, those two are not re-signing there. Oh. So you're going to have to replace them anyway. Why not have more draft capital now to replace them with than worry about 2021 compensatory picks? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they were more – I reported back in week four that – Teams were already calling him, and unlike a year ago where he was like, the only thing I want to do is move Demaryius Thomas, he was like, I get it. I see what you see. I'm not all the way there yet. 
give me a few weeks and double back. And they won a couple games. And so people were kind of like, well, maybe the maybe it's changed a little bit. And then obviously the last two times out have been bad. They're going to be playing Brandon Allen now. Um, Drew Locke, as much as they're not sure how ready he is, is, is now, you know, by the weekend going to be one hit away from playing NFL football when he hasn't been able to practice in forever, you know, just coming off IR, like where are they? You know what I mean? Where's it going? You know, and is Vic Fangio the long, you know, Vic was kind of like a Band-Aid guy. I mean, he's in his right. One of the oldest rookie head coaches in NFL history, um, a guy who doesn't have head coaching experience. And the whole thing was, well, we've got the defense and we'll just win. You know, we'll win ugly. Well, you're, you're not winning ugly. There's been a fair amount of, of, of sort of unrest and, I, I don't know, man. It's been a long time since they've had a proven head coach there. You know what I mean? A guy who came in um, with a big-time track record. I mean, they had it in John Fox. It didn't last very long, right? They had it in Kubiak. It didn't didn't last long. I mean, when's the last time somebody went there and stayed there for five years, you know what I mean, who came in with a pedigree? I don't know, man. I, I, I There's a lot of questions. And then I didn't even touch on ownership, which, you know, how long will it be able to stay in this trust with Joe Ellis and John Elway basically – acting as the owners. I mean, how tenable is that? Every month there's another lawsuit. There's a, a, a host of heirs who aren't happy with the process. They're not going away. I mean, a lot of people in league circles think the best thing that could possibly happen there is for that team to be sold in the next couple of years to, you know, to have a billionaire come in. It's a great market. It might be the best thing for all parties. Maybe even Peyton Manning's involved. Jason, speaking of sort of strange moves, and teams buying or selling at this stage. Can you explain the Giants acquiring yeah. Leonard Williams to me? He's got eight no. games left on his contract, and they gave up at a minimum a three and a five for him. I don't get it at all, Ross. And I've talked to people, uh, at least four GMs or personnel directors about it, and no one I've talked to can get it from the Giants' perspective. Like, here's the reality of this trade market. And you guys touched on it in the intro. It's It's more robust than ever there are more willing buyers than ever and look at the prices people are paying for you know Jalen Ramsey and Laramie Tunsil and you know you can just go on through some of these trades going back to Khalil Mack last year Amari Cooper last year at the deadline teams are willing to throw around ones and twos and threes like never before and there's a lot of teams who think they're a player away and none of them wanted Leonard Williams even with the Jets eating the money or he would have gone to a contender right but you've got a two and six team Willing to pay more of a price than good teams who actually are a player away. And you don't even know if you're going to have this guy in the future. He's essentially, for now, a rental. I mean, if you overpay him, sure, he he'll, 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 won't go to the market. He doesn't have the numbers to go to the market and, and get anything close to the 14 he's making now. This is the same team that gave away Snacks Harrison 4-5, which I understood at the time, right? And they, they Olivier Vernon, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to get younger, whatever. We're, we don't need him on the D-line. We're pretty good on the D-line. And now you're trading a three and a five for Leonard Williams, who, you know, I talked to a lot of teams about him last week and the stuff I was hearing was not good. Like we don't like the film. We don't, not enough dog in him. We hate the contract. Like, no, we're not trading for him. Like even if they eat 4 million, like if they'll give him to us for a five or a six, sure. But we're not trading real assets for him. And then a two and six team does. I, you got me. All right, a lot of names thrown out there. How about Trent Williams, 31 years old, still has not played a game. Everybody needs offensive line help, certainly the Cleveland Browns. But again, 31 yeah. needs a new contract. Does he get moved today? And what does it take? 
I think he gets moved. It's any other organization would have addressed this in the summer. They would have addressed it before the draft when the things he was coming to them with were it wasn't like I want to I want a five hundred thousand dollar incentive or, you know, I don't like my where my locker is in the locker room. It was like, no, I'm never working for you again. I don't trust your medical staff. You'll never have me in your building again. Um, if, if if you keep Bruce Allen and this is your doctors moving forward, I'm done with you over. And the teammates knew it and everybody knew it and they pretend and I was reporting on it and they pretended like it didn't exist. And then they called his bluff in the summer. Well, he ain't showing for mini camp. He ain't showing for camp. And then you call his bluff in the regular season. And, and now here we are 4 PM after that, you can't trade him till January. You have to trade him now. I mean, even the the Redskins must know that now that this door is ajar, it was kind of like the Jalen Ramsey thing. You, you might as well, you better get rid of it now. It's not going to get better. And this, you've got all these contending teams who feel like they're a player away. Their adrenaline's rushing. They're, it's the heat of the moment. You you should do better on that trade now than you will do January. The contract is, is really team-friendly. I don't know that you have to tear it up to begin with. I mean, if he plays well for you down the stretch, then maybe you tack on a year and give him a little bit more money in 2020. Um, but for right now, um, yes, the problem is he hasn't played football in a while and there's injury concerns. And if you make this trade in September, you get more for him because he's playing more games for the other team. And he gets that four week period like everybody else in September to kind of get in shape and get in football shape and get knocked around. Now he's doing that in November. Not ideal. Uh, but the Browns are look, the Browns have shown you with their actions and their words how all in they are. And let the, they, they got banged on a lot for the offensive line in the summer. People saying it's probably not good enough. It hasn't been good enough. And this guy, when he's right, to me, is a top five left tackle. Um, I, I think the Browns would be very worried about trading next year's one with the fact that they're two and six right now. And if it doesn't turn their season around, that could be a very high pick. But two twos, you put contingencies in there. If it's a top, if it turns out to be a top 10 pick, then instead it's, you know, whatever, three twos. You could figure it out. Um, but yeah, I do think he gets dealt. Just curious, Jay, this isn't even really a, a trade deadline question, I guess, but just hearing you talk, Adam Gase, Freddie Kitchens, Vic Fangio, I know we have half the season left, but I feel like we might have an unprecedented number of one and done coaches. Can you give me like a, a hierarchy of the likelihood among those three guys or anybody else maybe I'm even missing? Well, I, you're right. It's, it's funny. I was on the train coming home from the NFL today on Sunday, and I kind of started – I think I even tweeted out. At that point, they were 16-42-1, and one, and then LaFleur won Saturday, uh, Sunday night, so 17-42-1. and one. Um, There's some woeful teams. You didn't even mention the two winless teams, which I don't think either one does it because the Bengals are the Bengals, and – you know, they gave Marvin Lewis forever. I don't see how you fire a 30 year old after one year. Um, and the Dolphins are all in on getting better long term. So I don't so I don't know that you hang that on Flores. But those two teams are 0 and 15. And we're not even talking about them as much as these other three. Um, and then with Bruce Arians every year at his age and with with all the health battles he, he's had. I mean, he's going to have to get the OK as well. Uh, it. it I'm with you. I think it will be unprecedented. I, I I wrote about it about four weeks into the season saying, hey, like there's a lot of talk out there that there could be multiple one and dones. And it's not looking good for for a lot of those for a lot of those teams you mentioned. And they're they're going to be some some strong second halves required, uh, you know, to convince some of these owners not to make a change, to, to not just say, hey, we might have made a mistake and now we need to go in a different direction. 
Um, but certainly the Packers, you know, that's mm-hmm. all it's all candy and roses there. Um, Cliff Kingsbury uh, is learning on the job and and that's difficult to do. But Kyler Murray's developing and, you know, I, I think he's obviously fine there. But a lot of these other guys, the, these questions are going to persist if the on-field product doesn't get better. Um, yeah, you're, you're on to a trend there, I think, Ross. And the product doesn't look like it's getting much better in Cincinnati. Talking to Jason Lockett for CBSSportsRadio.com. Uh, did they get rid? Did they trade away AJ Green before this four o'clock deadline? You've heard a lot from that locker room that that would really combust things. Not sure you could get any worse than where they're at. <laughs> he is close yeah. friends with Andy Dalton. How how can you not trade AJ Green today? There, there there is only one logical thing to do, and and they've been. This isn't a new development. They've been getting calls on him since late September. Like, this is not a newsflash. This has been going on. They've seen these other blockbuster trades. Everybody can see that there are highly motivated teams willing to trade top picks. Um, His his situation is mitigated by the fact he hasn't played football yet this year. But, no, people – I mean, people are baffled and they're not baffled. They're baffled because this has become the easiest thing in the world. Like, if you just approach this – with a football mindset, with an asset allocation, modern age mindset, they should be the they should make five moves at a minimum at the deadline. At a minimum. Maybe seven. But they're not baffled because it's the Bengals and it's Mike Brown, and that's not how he does business. And they have philosophical differences about helping other teams, which bot- blows my mind. Help yourself. Who cares what these guys do? I got news for you. You're helping every team in the league every Sunday when you go out and put that product on the field. You're helping them in the standings. You really want to help the Steelers and the Browns and the Ravens? Don't do anything. Bring the same older group back next year. Get nothing for them until now, what, 2023 compensatory picks? Or, and some of these some of these guys, like Atkins has two more years left on his deal. Very team-friendly. How many ga- how many wins are in Geno Atkins' future in Cincinnati on the life of this contract? as presently constructed. And Miami's already ahead of you because they've got all this draft capital. And Oakland's already ahead of you because they have all this draft capital. And Denver and Atlanta are getting in that market now too. And you've got the best assets. So I don't know, man. Will they Will they see the light by 4 p.m.? Will somebody put an offer on the table for a few of these guys that they realize that we, we, we would be doing a great disservice to our organization, our fans, and that locker room. The guys are actually going to be here in a year or two to not do these things and not send some real messaging about where we are as an organization, what we have to sell to you now, and what we hope to sell to you in the future. Because continuing to do what they're doing, that's the greatest gift to the rest of the league. Because you will you will go back to being the bungles. You need help everywhere. And... Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and Tyler Eifert and Drake Kirkpatrick and Andy Dalton aren't going to be there if or when you turn it around. All right, so Jason, you had a good tweet last night, of course, at Jason LaConfora. Make sure you're following him. You said a few hunches on where some of the most coveted trade options end up. A.J. Green to the Saints, potentially. Trent Williams, Browns, O.J. Howard, Pats. Chris Harris, ah, Eagles, ah. Derek Wolf, Colts, Des Trufant, Chiefs, Robbie Anderson, Jags. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys. How many of those do you think actually get moved today? Are those seven, if you had to guess? And is there one of those that you feel is the strongest hunch in your mind? 
Well, the, the one who should be most obvious is is AJ Green. I, I just, you know, now will they do it or not? I don't know. Sorry, he got off my lap. This this <laughs> the strategy is not backfiring. Uh, you know, I think there'll be at least four. I've talked to enough GMs, and and I think there'll be at least if you maybe put an over under on it. I would have said yesterday six. Now we've seen two trades already since then. Um, you know, with the with the the actually three. We saw three trades yesterday, and 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 even the the trade the Eagles make. They, I mean. They think they got a player there, and then they may have. They, you know, Schwartz might coach him up, and you might see some pass rush from him. Uh, I think we'll see three or four more um, at a minimum. I mean, again, Washington with Trent Williams, if they keep him, it would really at this point be like rubbing their fans' noses in. What The fans that are left, the ones who still brave the elements and go out to that horrible game day experience um, off of I-95 there. What's left of that, if you really want to alienate them, hold on to this guy and let that drag out to January. Uh, so I, I think he's gone. Um, I, I don't see that. Denver, there's no reason in the world not to make mm-hmm. at least one more trade. Atlanta, you know, you'll you'll eventually pay somebody enough money to take Vic Beasley off of you. Um, I think Des Trufant is another guy who I, I, teams like other corners more than him, but not all these other corners are going to be dealt probably. So, um, yeah, I, I think at least four or five more trades. Talking to Jason Locke and Forrest, CBSSportsRadio.com. Two teams with Super Bowl expectations underachieving right now. Kansas City and Philadelphia. Who do they acquire by the 4 o'clock deadline? Well, they've both been in on all these corners. They were Fitzpatrick, whether you want to call him a corner safety, whatever, hybrid guy, hybrid defensive back, whatever. Um, and Jalen Ramsey, those are two teams who, who were definitely in contact with the Jags about Jalen Ramsey and, and making offers. Um they they still have now the Eagles have gotten a little healthier there and the Eagles have coals in the fire all over the place when the Eagles could end up making offensive moves as well. Um, you know, how he's not afraid to to try anything that he thinks will make his team better, um, which is the growth mindset that I think all general managers should probably work from. Um, yeah, so I, I would not you know, both teams. Could it be a Chris Harris? Could it be a Des Trufant? Do they go more of the salary dump route and, and you know, take a trade a, you know, a nothing for. Uh, Josh Norman or nothing for, you know, uh, um, a Trumaine Johnson or or something like that, just just in, in a salary dump move for the other team. Yeah, I mean, that may be the route they go in the end, but they're not risk averse. They're willing to trade future assets to get better right now. And they're teams that I think will do something. All right, Jason Locke and Ford joining us from CBSSportsRadio.com. Should be a fascinating day between now and 4 o'clock Eastern time. Let us know if anything breaks. And last question before we go. We got to get everyone on record on this. How do you feel about adults dressing up for Halloween? Are you in or are you out? I, I mean, if it's tied to your kid's outfit or it's like part of a family party, then mm-hmm. I have no issues with it whatsoever. That would be the only way that I would do it. Um, but I don't. I guess I don't hate it, you know? I don't know. So you're sort of halfway in. Okay. Well, we're all in yeah. here on Home and Home. We both hate very it much the board. like. Love it. Love it. No, we I are absolutely it. all in Adults on dressing, dressing up. up yeah. You're down with. Yeah. Ross was Maui, the demigod from Moana. Okay. Check it out on Instagram. Yeah. I it was will, very good. I definitely he, will. He can even sing. All right, Jason, let us know what happens oh, between now stuff. and 4 o'clock. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> right, the time. See you guys. Have a good one. Thank Thank you. I'll work on my costume. There. There's the dog. The dog is making his presence known as this ends. And there is Ross Tucker as the demigod, Maui. Uh, Quite a showing. Are you going to wear that again on Halloween on this show? 
Uh, probably not. No. Oh, come on. Why not? No, it, 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 it annoys my face too much. The hair. I don't mind the outfit at all, but the hair, uh, I mean, maybe I'll start the show with it if you really want me to. Well, I was going to say finish this like thing on my wife has to like help me with the hair and she won't be here when the show starts. Not a good deal. His wife has to help him with his hair. I was thinking you'd wear the outfit and just rock the hair for the last five minutes. I've had a little issue with my sports-themed Halloween costume, but we'll get to that later in the week. Hopefully, I can solve it. It was a shipping mess. That's why you don't buy stuff from China that you expect to be here in time for Halloween. They promised me, Ross. They promised me. Speaking of Halloween, you know we're going to take a quick I break. Think, uh, yep, I think they've... I think they've heard some of your comments on the NBA in China, and I think that that was intentional. You may have a they point. Know. Because they, they say know. it was delivered to my house. It was not delivered to my house. Maybe they are surveilling me. They are watching all of us. It's Speaking not of a coincidence. That's why, for the record, <laughs> on the show, I'm Team China. For the record, I'm, I'm, oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just funny. Don't order anything team, from John. I'm team, I'm team none of the above. <laughs> that is true. You are team capitalism. When we come back, more Halloween discussion because you know what? Sam Darnold is going to see ghosts everywhere he goes, every stadium. He's probably going to see him Thursday night because kids around the neighborhood probably begin to be dressed up as ghosts and ringing on his door. We'll talk about what happened to the Jets quarterback when we come back after a quick break. All right, six hours to go before the NFL trade deadline expires, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Pretty quiet day thus far. You expect action to heat up. Will the New York Jets be in the market? They did move Leonard Williams across to the other team that they share a stadium with, the New York Giants, but they are 1-6, and and it is a mess. And last night, the consequences of one of the recent Jets games, because... Nobody, if you didn't notice, nobody was mic'd up for the Monday night Steelers and Dolphins game. Why? Because, of course, the New York Jets and Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold was mic'd up against the New England Patriots. And, of course, as you know by now, said he was seeing ghosts. And the boy did the New York media eat that up. Even a week later, this was the cover, I See Dead Teams, on the New York Daily News. And there were ghosts everywhere. As the New York Jets played in Jacksonville this past weekend, it felt like Halloween, even though that's not until this week. Ahead of this game, there was a team flying around with a big banner that was trolling Sam Darnold with the ghost thing. You look out in the stands and fans were wearing, yes, ghosts in the stands. They were all over Sam Darnold from the start. They were chanting. The mascot for the Jacksonville Jaguars came out of the field wearing a ghost outfit as well. And it was not because of Halloween. It was because of what Sam Darnold said. Three interceptions, eight sacks when they ran a montage up on there on the jumbo screen in Jacksonville. It sounded like this.
That is some high-quality trolling by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ghostbusters played at the two-minute warning as they ran a montage of Sam Darnold's miserable day. And again, that banner flying above the stadium said Gardner Minshew ain't afraid of no ghost. He's been spectacular. We said at that uh, at that day, I remember saying that next morning, Sam Darnold will never hear the end of his ghost comment unless he takes advantage of the opportunity, wears a ghost outfit at a press conference, embraces it, or comes out and plays spectacular. How will Sam Darnold ever get out from under the ghost outfit? You know what? The only way he does, Dave, is if he plays well and the team plays well and they can kind of put this behind them. But if he keeps turning the football over, if he keeps getting bruised and battered behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, I think you're going to continue to see the signs that people can see right now if they're watching us at radio.com slash home or on the radio.com app. I think you'll continue to see the ghost stuff. And you said it last week, Dave, and I think you were right. It will be tough for him to really live this down until he is able to get this team to the playoffs and have success on a consistent basis. I mentioned last week, I don't have a problem with the comments. I thought the Jets making a big deal out of it was a little bit much. But maybe the Jets were smart enough to know what you know, which is that it's just become something like the butt fumble that people can latch themselves onto and make the topic of conversation when it comes to that player and that football team. And right now, with everything going on with Osemele, C.J. Mosley comes back for one game. Now he's out for five or six more again. I don't know what's going on with the Jets medical staff. That's clearly a mess in my mind. Ryan Khalil is now out. I mean, it's that this is a football team that had high expectations for this year. They really thought they might be able to compete for a playoff berth. It has gone south and it has gone south in a hurry. It sure has. And the numbers for Sam Darnold are hard to get past. Seven interceptions in two weeks, nine sacks, two fumbles for a guy that people were awfully high on. That's a lot of turnovers, but it's not as many turnovers, believe it or not, as Jameis Winston, the former number one pick. He has 10, 10 turnovers in two weeks impossible to fathom for a former number one. That's seven interceptions, three fumbles in two weeks after a four turnover game against Tennessee, a 27-23 loss on Sunday. Is it over for Jameis Winston? Is he even an NFL backup at this point? You usually like a backup who can come in the game and not turn the ball over. What is his future? Well, that's the part I think is so interesting is that you know, not all guys that are starters, were starters, whatever, are suited to be backup quarterbacks. And I just have to wonder, who's the team that's going to go ahead and have him come in and compete for a starting job? I'm, I'm not sure there is. I mean, you look around, I don't know who that team is. 
Because I think with Winston and Mariota, I think teams are going to say, you know what? They got five years. They got multiple head coaches, multiple coordinators. This is kind of who they are. I Now, I think Mariota seems to fit the backup type yeah. a little bit more. You know, I don't know, quiet and won't turn it over and will be conservative and maybe run it a little bit and whatever. Winston is a very different type of player. Plus, I think Mariota would actually be better in sort of a, a deferential backup role than Winston would be. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, it really is. Uh, he's got a half a season to try to resurrect this and maybe play well enough that he gets a chance to at least compete for a starting job somewhere, whether that's Tampa Bay or elsewhere. That was the fascinating backdrop to that Tennessee-Tampa Bay game is that it was at one time such an anticipated matchup between Winston and Mariota. This time, Winston looked like he is cooked, and Mariota didn't even step on the football field. He watched Ryan Tannehill go out there and throw three more touchdown passes and approved a 2-0 and with the Tennessee Titans, who are not out of it yet. They are 4-4, four and four, an outside shot with that defense to find a spot in the playoffs. We're going to take a quick break here when we come back. Imagine betting on the Houston Astros after they lost two games at home in the World Series. That's what Mattress Mac did. He has dropped, from what we understand, around $10 million on the World Series. We'll talk to him next about why he is doing this and how much is on the line after a quick break. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 